Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're you're listening listening to to ghost Ghost host, Host, Sophia Temporelli. Ian, Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly Paranormal. Weekly, weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to ghost host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the ghost host Sophia on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Roth, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickRothTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. This is April, the psychic housewife in New Jersey, featured on the travel channels, The Holes of Files. I just wanted to wish my very dear friend, Sophia Temporelli, a very happy 11-year anniversary right here on Live Paranormal. Congratulations, Sophia. I love you and I'm so proud of you. 
That's right, it's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporoli on LiveParanormal.com. And now on ghosthunting.com officially, too, as well. And, yes, congratulations on 11 years of broadcasting here. Feel free to call into the show, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316. Thank you, Rob Sirk, for providing this format each and every week and all of our moderators. Thank you guys for patching us through at uh, uh, live events when we had no Internet feed over the years. Thank you guys so much for that. Today we welcome White Phosphorus Pictures owner, Montauk Chronicles documentary producer, History Channel's Dark Files host, investigative host of Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Strange World series, graphic novel author and broadcast host of Off to the Witch, Christopher Garitano. Everyone visit mtkchronicles.com, offtothewitch.com, Facebook, Montauk Chronicles Movie, Twitter at Garitano7, at Bigfoot Cinema, Instagram, Chris, uh, hashtag Christopher Garitano, and, and hashtag Montauk Chronicles. Listen to Off to the Witch with Christopher Garitano everywhere you get your podcast and watch episodes of Strange World on Discovery Plus today. Upcoming next Saturday, we uh, uh, catch Sophia's archive exclusive with Dr. Travis Taylor discussing the first season launch of History Channel's The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. So that'll be on the 22nd. And uh, you don't want to miss any of these upcoming broadcasts. We have other uh, guests booking their um, guest spots too as well and for promotionals that are coming up and as well like the ghost host sophia temporally on liveparanormal.com facebook fan page to learn of the guests as we learn of them real time let's bring the host on here sophia congratulations on 11 years of broadcasting here on live paranormal thank you i can't believe it's already been 11 years well you're doing a fantastic job you've helped a lot of people over the years with your show you got a lot, you got all these things. You got the Twitter, the Instagram, and things. Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Temporelli with one L, and Instagram just at Temporelli. Yeah, and well, tell us about your guest returning today. Today, returning White Phosphorus Pictures owner, Montauk Chronicles documentary producer, History Channel's Dark Files host, host of Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Strange World series, author, broadcast host of Off to the Witch, Christopher Garitano. Everyone visit mtkchronicles.com, offtothewitch.com, Facebook, Montauk Chronicles Movie, Twitter, at Garitano7, at Bigfoot Cinema, and Instagram, Christopher Garitano. Let's welcome him into the show. Had a great new announcement coming up here, too, as well. Christopher, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for coming on today, Christopher. Oh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So to start off, congratulations on all of your success. Um, you've made some amazing shows throughout the years, but what kind of initially led you into your love of filmmaking? Oh, I was a kid. I, I've never done anything else, never wanted to do anything else. I grew up in a very uh, movie-oriented uh, family. They, um, they had a video store when I was a kid. And so I saw everything. My parents didn't discriminate. So all the neighborhood kids that weren't allowed to watch certain movies always came to my house. And we watched films all the time. My parents took me to the drive-in. I remember being on top of their station wagon watching movies at the drive-in as a kid. And I just loved movies. And then I saw a, um, a documentary about the making of Dead and Friday the 13th and um, – I was blown away. I wanted to do special effects and just make films, and it hasn't stopped. 
I was five years old. I was bitten by the bug, and I didn't stop. And simultaneously around that time, I was really into the paranormal. I had I would go to book fairs. You know, I, I still have all those books here in my library. Uh, I was so into reruns of In Search Of and obviously Unsolved Mysteries when it came on TV, and um, I just was blown away. And I um, I had ghost stories in my family, so I just um, I I've not changed. You know, I mean, I've grown up, but I, I, my tastes haven't really changed much in that direction. Definitely. I mean, it's amazing just how early on, I mean, passions start for people. And, I mean, you've really grown that passion throughout, you know, your life and all the documentaries you've made and everything. Um, I know one of your biggest is Montauk Chronicles. If you want to tell the audience a little bit about that and how that came about as well. Sure. Um so I uh, I had already made uh, one documentary and I was on the road shooting another about animals actually about a um, a rescue uh, for animals and I wanted to make something profound and so but I also love genre stuff and I love ghost stories and I love the paranormal and I needed to kind of feed that urge while I was working on this documentary about uh, these displaced animals and um, so. Uh, I wanted to make something about Bigfoot and still do. I have this awesome idea and I even talked to some networks along the way about producing it and I'm going to make it one day. Uh, So what ended up happening was I really didn't have a lot of money at the time. And um, a friend of mine said, you know, making the Bigfoot thing is going to be tough right now. Why don't you do Mm -hmm. something local? There's this Montauk story and it's not far from where you live. At the, you know, I live in Florida now, but at the time I, I, I lived in New York. And I remember the Montauk book from Preston Nichols that came out in the 90s. And I wasn't really impressed by the story. And I think a lot of that had to do with how it was laid out in the actual book. The book was very small. There wasn't much in it. But it had an interesting dynamic to the story. However, it seemed like it was taken from a ton of different science fiction films that I had seen along the way. And I thought, okay, why don't I start fresh? I know there's these old men that are telling this crazy story about this underground base, that they work there, they're aliens, time travel. And I I thought at the time it would be just interesting enough to hear these old men tell this story. And because I love stuff like that. I love it like when an elder is telling a tale and it's just off the wall. And I figured the audience would love it. So really that's how I started with it. And um, as I went further, you know, and I started going to locations to uh, collect footage and shoot and interview people, and I started traveling little by little. What it really intrigued me about it was, um, and, and through my research, that I realized that at, at its core, it, it was related to other government projects that were happening. And really, the story is simply uh, between 1971 and 1983, it's alleged that there were secret experiments uh, conducted underneath the Camp Hero Air Force Base in Montauk, New York, which is at the very furthest furthest eastern tip of Long Island, New York, and um, somewhat Mm -hmm. remote town. And so all of that intrigued me because it had elements of fiction that I grew up with. It was nothing like I knew personally, but along the way, I mean, it's been so many years and, and I've had so many encounters with different facets of this story that I believe at the very least, that the nucleus of the story is true, that there was an experiment there. Now, I don't know to what extent, and I don't know how elaborate, 
but I, I do believe that something happened there. I mean, it's a very fascinating documentary and such an interesting story. When you're doing documentaries such as Montauk Chronicles, what is your process for researching the history? Because I know for a lot of people, it can be very difficult. Um, how long does that typically take you and how do you go about that? I, I approach everything with a clean slate. I love doing that because I think sometimes discussions about the paranormal and even books seem very idiosyncratic. They're very isolated to people that might already know. And so some of the things I had seen about Montauk, they present them, and there wasn't much, you know, when I started at all, really. Just a couple of, like, underground videos and ideas and things written. But everything's written from the perspective that you should already know about this. And I didn't want to start that way so because I didn't know much about mm -hmm. it. And so I begin even conversations with, this is a clean slate. Yes, I'm going to get details. And so my process started with a clean slate. I didn't want to write or approach or interview anyone from the place that I already knew, because now I'm just assuming that my audience already knows. And that's not right, because that limits your audience. Now, I, I, the reason why there's a big audience and it continues for that film is because I, I made it from the perspective of, we need to begin. And let's begin a journey of any type of conversation or investigation. So it was a variety of things. I spoke to people firsthand that claim these things happened. I went to locations. I went to the library and looked through their archives if there was anything about anything strange that happened at that base. And in the very beginning, so it was word of mouth. It was the people that told the tale. It was, it was observing people that were telling these very tall tales going to the library, going to the locations and observing, taking pictures and footage and photographs. Uh, I had no scientific equipment at the time to analyze soil or anything like that. Uh, but I did end up having it a little bit later when, after Montauk Chronicles was done, I made the dark files for History Channel. That was a finance show, and then we had the resources and we had scientists come to the grounds. But um, that's how I started. I like starting at the beginning. I like telling a good story. And I think Montauk, in comparison to the things I did later, was a character study. It, it was more about these old men telling their story. And to me, that's super interesting because it, it allows the audience to think and make the judgment for themselves. Absolutely. And I know you just mentioned The Dark Files as well. Um, as you said, that was a show on History Channel. But how did that all come about for you? Um, how was the show created and uh, what was that process like? Yeah, so Montauk was done. Montauk Chronicles was finished. And I started, I kept it very close to the chest, so I allowed people to purchase the streaming and rent it and buy DVDs and Blu-rays. And by the summer of 2015, I had sold a ton of Blu-rays and DVDs, a lot of downloads of the stream, and um, a lot of people saw it. And I showed it at the International UFO Congress, and it was getting attention. So I think... The process is, or what I've learned since then, is that, um, you know, some of the people at the production companies that collaborate with networks or have their eyes out for things. And they saw Montauk mm -hmm. getting press. I got some press from Huffington Post. Uh, New, I was interviewed by New York Post. So I got some really decent press, Newsday, good press. Oh, and Coast to Coast AM. And so all, uh, Jimmy Church, all that stuff was getting me attention enough 
I guess in the circles where people were looking for new things to cover. And then I was contacted by a production company and they wanted me to be involved. And I said to them, well, you know, um, they used 90% of my footage to do their sell reel to the network. And I said, well, since you've already used my work to pitch to the network, guess who's going to be an executive producer on this project? And so they were like, okay, good. And so that's how it began. But I was a very active executive. I worked hard. And um, that's how my first mm-hmm. stint as a producer came about. And then through the process, we were looking for hosts for the Dark Files as it, as it was in development. And it went through many stages, Sophia. It was like there was a pilot shot with one company. They didn't do a great job. I, I, but I was retained throughout the whole process. Then it reverted back to the production company that first contacted me. And we ended up making – the show together and it's such a scary stage in, in uh, TV production where it's in development and everyone's working and the thing could fall through any second but it got greenlit it was financed by the network it was a success it's out there right now you can see it um, and I was happy with it because it was strong and in the sense where it wasn't this kind of goofball take on my movie it was a furthering of it we did things that I couldn't do. I couldn't afford it. I, I shot Montauk Chronicles, made that by myself, shot the recreations in a, in a tiny little basement, smaller than the office I'm in right now. Um, you know, really didn't have any money, just a lot of hard work and, and, and I guess skill at the end of the day. But um, the TV show was a finance gig and had a lot of people involved. And uh, I was grateful for that. And um, I learned a lot. I had a CIA agent as my co-host and a journalist from the Washington Post and we did a, a, a sufficient and genuine investigation uh, into the Montauk Project with scientists and speaking to people in Washington, even though a lot of those scenes were cut out. Uh, I think it's a great sequel to Montauk Chronicles. I think uh, it, it couldn't be any better. I think it was, it was awesome, and it was a, such a cool experience to, like, look into this thing further. Absolutely. And and, um, so- that's just a- – oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, uh, Christopher and Sophia, yeah, there's a 909 uh, Riverside caller. Let's see. Um, yeah, caller uh, 909, what's your first name? Oh, hello? Hello? Hello. Yeah, you're on with Christopher and Sophia. What's your first name? Yeah, hello? Oh, 909 caller? Oh, I know what it is. I Let's see. Yeah, they're just starting to. Yeah, hi, you're on with Christopher and Sophia. Oh, maybe somebody. Oh, that's somebody listening in. We we get that sometimes. People listening and that sometimes they're at work and things. (laughs) Go ahead, Christopher and Sophia. Um. Well, I think that might be scarier sometimes for people than even the Montauk Chronicles. a random person talking to them when they're trying to listen to a show. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had a lot of that? Maybe it was a caller from beyond. You never know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But we call them dumpster callers because like they're (laughs) hiding behind a dumpster at work and listening in. (laughs) Never said that. There was a creepy episode of Tales from the Dark Side. It was called Devil's Advocate. And it was about a radio show host. And he started getting these weird calls, but it was like from a different time period. And he was a real jerk. He was just yells at everybody. And uh, 
it was so creepy though because by the end of the episode he re- he was either dead or he was just caught in some other dimension he was in hell and um it was like these callers kept coming in from the 30s and you really didn't know what was going on until the very end but don't ever get caught in that situation hang up <laughs> definitely yeah my dad calls them dumpster callers um i definitely call them people who are trying to listen to a show and my dad scares them so um <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a typical thing there. Um, but it's amazing just, you know, your work on The Dark Files. Um, and very interesting, too, how you got executive producer credit. I've always wondered, you know, what the process is for someone jumping from, you know, being a part of a show like that to actually becoming an executive producer. Well, the fir- like I said, the first one was, you're going to make me an executive producer on this. And then mm-hmm. the were obviously earned through the process, but you know, I had made independent documentaries before that and making a television show is very different. So I learned so much between the dark files and obviously making a eight episode series with strange world. There was just so much. I, I can't, it was one of the best, it was probably the best education. I mean, I went to, I'm a film school grad. I've made my own documentaries, but making those shows were, it was the best education in, in TV production, film production. It was fantastic. Definitely. Um, It seems very different when you actually get out there and, you know, do the work versus a class. I took a small film class one time and um, yeah, I didn't learn that much. (laughs) So it's definitely different, um, you know, actually going out and filming stuff. Yeah. And here's the thing, like I felt that way about some of my classes at the School of Visual Arts, but then it was weird. Once I was really doing it, I was like, wait a second, I did learn a lot, you know, because then it comes into play. So what you learned was it's waiting in you. And if you did retain it, once you're out there, it really comes in handy because you'll remember all that stuff that you learned. Yeah, he was having us watch really bizarre movies. So I just feel like <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, it was, it was it was definitely, it was a strange class. Um, and speaking of strange, that will bring us to your next show, Strange World. Um, after the Montauk Chronicles and the Dark Files, you had Strange World, which was a very unique show in the way it was formatted, if you want to tell the audience about that. Yeah, so the Dark Files did very good on History Channel. I think it rated well, and it was during a pretty bad hurricane, too. Um, so other people had their interest in me and um, there was a, a really good guy over at travel discovery that wanted to make a show with me and contacted the co-production company. And they did have an idea in place for me. And I said, listen, this is nice, but I have a better idea. Can you give me a month and let me put a presentation together? And they said, sure. And so I came back with strange world name, 30 episode possibilities, how it was going to be made, how it was going to be configured. And luckily they thought it was a great idea and we went forward and that's the short version. You know, there's a lot of process to it, but um, that I, I worked really hard on that presentation. And uh, again, I'm grateful that it was greenlit. Uh, you know, the business of this, this network stuff is sometimes things get shuffled around. Sometimes shows get, there's a lot of promise and, and, you know, people make mistakes in advertising or whatever, but, Ultimately, it was such an awesome experience, and, you know, again, everything's a positive, so. For sure. I mean, you guys went over some really interesting cases. Um, I know you investigated James Dean's car um, while on the show. 
Um, through your course of Strange World, what was the episode that you loved making the most? I love the stuff about technology. I had another show just before COVID hit that was actually greenlit, um, and it was called Things to Come, and it was all like that. It was all like the science fiction of the last 100 years coming to fruition. And so science fiction writers as prophets, and that concept has been out there before, but it seems like an elaborate imagination of years ago was prophesizing the future and even alien invasions and another perspective on what a haunting is through science and mm -hmm. through quantum perspectives and uh, subatomic uh, perspectives. I, I, I think that's so interesting. I think that's the future of ghost hunting, so to speak. I think that um, science will finally open up its doors of thought and education and academia to a new perspective on what this phenomena is and what it's been all these years. And so one of the episodes I had pitched and, and, and kind of through the process of development in Strange World uh, and pre-production, things got shuffled around a little bit. But I had an entire episode dedicated to the work of Michael Persinger, who was a scientist and who was experimenting with geomagnetic and electromagnetic fields bombarding, I guess, the frontal lobe of the brain uh, through several devices that he made, one of the devices being um, the God Helmet. And you see me use that in the very first episode at the tail end of the episode of Strange World. And so I did experiment with it, and I had some weird effects from it. And But what Persinger suggested was he's not saying that hauntings aren't real, but it's either this electromagnetic or geomagnetic energy is affecting your brain where you could be hallucinating or it's affecting your brain where it's kind of opening up your third eye and you're seeing these things. You're seeing things mm -hmm. that much like in an H.P. Lovecraft story from beyond, you're, you're seeing this stuff um, because of the effect of that energy. And sometimes the reason why maybe people in certain houses that are haunted are affected by the geomagnetic energy and the location. And I talked to Dr. Barry Taff about this years ago and other people that might suspect or suspected that that might be the case. Um, and then there's things we don't understand. And you've done this. You've, you've looked into ghosts and hauntings much more than I have. But my perspective on it is always open to any possibility to exactly what it is. And, of course, it could be a combination of things. So I wrote an episode called From Beyond, based, you know, taking the name of that Lovecraft story and eventually that was going to be a, a Strange World episode in, in another season. But the cool thing is the world changed since 2020, and now I'm making uh, several. I just started working with a network again to develop stuff, but I also have my independent stuff. And independent stuff goes a long way in this new age. Um, you can get it onto, instead of just one streaming platform and one network that controls everything, you can get it onto 20. And what's the difference? Mm -hmm. The difference is, is that it, you own it. You just have to come up with a way on how to make the thing. But I already have those skills, so I have a leg up, and I have the equipment and the, the, the means. So I made this new um, first entry, first follow-up since Strange World series, uh, Haunting We Will Go. And I'm, I'm in now in post-production on that, and I'm so happy with it. It's so different than anything I've done before and anything I've seen on TV. 
Well, I'm very excited to see it. That's amazing. You're already in post. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is cool that you have these skills to be able to make things. Um, you know, you see YouTubers go out and do things, and I just look at it, and I'm like, I don't know how you guys put all that together. Um, so it's just incredible to, you know, see people be able to actually, you know, know the right way to use a camera, all of the filters and the color adjustments after and be able to really make something incredible on their own. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I've learned so much over the years. Definitely, I made network shows. I have others in, in development right now, but it's a much better situation than I've ever had before in terms of freedom and collaboration. And it's a good group of people. And I'll tell more about that a little further down the road because we're just kind of like regrouping. You know, it's we haven't really talked since the pandemic hit, and I just went off on my own and started making assets and making new shows on my own. I actually shot two episodes so far, two feature-length episodes. One is in post, and the other one I still have to shoot a few things for. But, you know, by this time next year, there'll be a whole bunch of new stuff, and um, I'm just happy about it. I'm happy to have the freedom to work without any restraints. As much as I love and am grateful for Strange Worlds, um, I still had to bend to certain ideas and rules. And with The Haunting We Will Go, it's 100% mine. And I'm just, you know, it's it's going to be the best thing I've made so far. Absolutely. And I know you're talking to um, about, you know, as an independent, being able to post it on multiple streamers. When you're actually making these and, you know, going and approaching streamers, how has that changed, um, you know, since the major mergers that are going on, you know, all the changes over at Netflix? Has that affected anything for you in the way you approach actually pitching? Yeah. Now, here's the thing, like, and, and just to talk, like, strategic in a way, there are a lot of the okay, – it's changed so much. I'm trying to make sense out of this period of time so where it was before that and like when I had strange world greenland I mean that was in the millions of dollars the budget and it mm-hmm. was made in a period of time and it was successfully out there and it's out there around the world right now it's owned by uh, Bill Abbott who owned the Hallmark channel and eventually he's going to put it out again but I don't own it because they paid me and they paid for the show now the world has changed in a very short period of time so Think about it this way. Whereas you might be isolated to Discovery Plus or something, no offense to them, if you produce, the, let's say, the Sophia show and you produce a couple of half-hour episodes, now you have mm-hmm. the ability to edit on to uh, an aggregator, and one of which is Film Hub. And I'm telling you from experience, I have Montauk through that aggregator right now, and I'm, I can pay my rent and bills with what Montauk makes every month. And I make other income, but just from that, just from that being on now Apple TV, Amazon for download, it's on Tubi. Tubi is very lucrative. Uh, and it's on a million other, uh, not a million, but it's on like 10, 15 other streaming networks that are accessible, including Roku, that are accessible around the world. Whereas like, let's say Tubi's Canada, United States, and now you have the ability to reach a world audience to make an income. And, that, and I'm not even advertising Montauk, and it's making that. So imagine if when I come to – because I'm, I'm going to experiment and put a haunting we will go out through this same system, I'm going to advertise the hell out of it. And now my experiment will prove true that 
you own that property. When you make something for a network, mm-hmm. they own you during that period of time, and they own your property. And if someone wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, no matter how many executives at the network love what you're going to do and want it to go on, if some jerk over there decides, nah, don't like it, guess what? Mm-hmm. All that hard work, everything you cared about is owned by this person, and they can bury it if they want to. I don't ever want to be in that situation. I don't want to ever be in that situation for the rest of my life. And you don't have to. And that's why those networks keep merging because they're actually in trouble. They know everything I just said is true. And so they know mm-hmm. that they know they're aware of that. Now you have all these great you know, people out there that can learn. The equipment is relatively affordable and they can make their own shows and get it out there to the world and make a living. And you know, not to talk business too much, but it's going to be a big problem for them because they won't be a, everyone else can match the quality, but they can also do something even better. They can be original, which a lot of these networks are afraid to be. And I, I'm telling you, I lucked out with Strange World. I think it was very original in comparison to a lot of the shows that were out at the time. No offense to any of them at all. Just saying, you know, uh, so that's my perspective on it. And it's also quite true. And, um, you know, I recommend to anybody out there that really wants to produce a show, you can pitch the network, but you'll probably, if with a little more dedication and a little more time and, and thought put into it and patience, you'll have your own asset to own forever. And in, even in the short or long run, you'll, if it's about making your money back, you're going to do so much better than you can with a network, just to be honest with you. Well, I feel like that's such good information for, you know, all the filmmakers out there. Um, I just always find it interesting, you know, uh, when you have shows, like, um, there's been quite a few on Discovery Plus that are paranormal that have recently been canceled, or, you know, on Netflix, one of my favorite shows, Warrior Nun, was recently canceled, and it has such a big following on Twitter, and it's done so well, um, really big IMDb scores, and you just wonder, you know, what the process is with all of these mergers for people, and how to move forward not just in the TV space, but specifically paranormal as well. I think they should let their fears go. And if they don't have the skills to make these things, partner up with people that can, because there's plenty of them out there. There's so many people out there that, that can pull it off, and you just have to get a good group of people together. Luckily, I know how to do all of these things. And so that's mm-hmm. how I make Haunting We Will Go, which has the quality no no less than Strange World, which was in the millions of dollars, okay? And I know this is one episode so far, but still, for a fraction of that cost, and I'm able to do that because I know what to do. And I know that also a lot of that money on these shows filter over to executives, a good lion's share of it. So that's why they're dropping those shows, because they can't afford them, and they're in deep stuff, you know, because they, yeah. you know, the world's changed. And, and so ultimately, here's how it applies to investigating. You get to make every choice in your investigation. You get to be as creative and original as possible. And if you come up with a fantastic idea, there's nobody you have to clear it with. You get to make your mm-hmm. own show. And, and there are also ways, if let's say you don't have the budget to start or whatever. Sophia, you've got a big enough following where if you wanted to, you could crowdsource an episode. You can... There's so many ways to do it these days. And I say to the people out there, be fearless. This is no offense. I'm working with networks again on stuff. But if it's not a good thing for you, 
um, and you have the means, you should go out and make your own stuff. This is the time to do it. It's 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 open doors now. Wow. Absolutely. Well, that's such great information. Um, I know we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more questions. Yeah, it's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com and GhostHunting.com. And, yes, we are learning a lot. White uh, Phosphorus uh, Pictures owner, Montauk Chronicles documentary producer, History Channel, Dark Finals host, investigative host of Travel Channel, Discovery Plus's Strange World series, graphic novel author, and broadcast host of Off to the Witch, Christopher Garitano on with us today. It's a late edition of the show. We'll be right back uh, uh, after this. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with the most, Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files, and you're listening to ghost <laughs> host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself it's into your mix of, of voiceovers now. I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. Oh, poor Dave left out of the audio bites there. And Christopher and Sophia, you're back on. Okay. Hey, Christopher. Thank you again so hey. much for coming on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always always awesome to be on. So besides the amazing shows you make, you are also a radio slash broadcast host with Off to the Witch, if you want to tell the audience a little bit about your show. Yeah, so it, Off to the Witch is um, – a furthering of what I've done for TV. It was my way of being able to do it every week. And, um, you know, shows take a long time to make. You know, Haunting We Will Go has been in production for over a year, but it's because I wanted to make something really special. And even network shows take a while. So the the podcast, as you know, just gives me an opportunity to um, tell stories every week, allow interesting guests to come on. I always try to find people who haven't had any exposure, really. I mean, there's some people on there that are known already for things they've done, but um, most of the guests are people that just have an extraordinary tale to tell, and uh, I'm inspired by old-school radio, like the Zero Hour with uh, Rod Serling, so it has a bit of a cadence in the beginning and its intros, and I try to create an atmosphere, and then... um, we get right into the interview, and I, I just to 
let people tell their story and I try to find out about them through the process. Again, once again, like I try not to do too much research on them beforehand. I really just kind of um, field it through the conversation. I do have warm-up conversations, though. And um, it, it, it's a range. It goes from, like I had one guest who, Jeff Paris, he was in like glam rock bands in the 80s. And, uh, you know, he, he, in his mind, he never made it. And we had a conversation about him being guitar tech for Kiss, for Eddie Van Halen and all his heroes. He had, he had such a great story, but he also had a story of maybe he didn't sell his soul. So the concept of selling your soul, there was an agent that tried to get him to do something really bad, and he didn't say yes, and he felt he didn't make it because of that. And I said, but you did make it. Your band opened up for these awesome bands, you know? So we, like, go through a whole life story, and by the end, I, you know, you come full circle, uh, and I just love hearing these stories from people, and I guess some of the audience does too. I, I, I enjoy doing it, and it, and it, it ranges from the paranormal to um, stories about rock and roll, to stories about movies, uh, you know, I just, I, anything that I love, and that's what Off to the Witch is. Well, I mean, I was on your show, and it is such a great show. Um, you get so many amazing guests, and you have such great conversations with them. Um, as someone who had a conversation with you, um, you really do just have an amazing show and a great way with your guests. Oh, thank you. I love that episode, too. And a lot of people do. I mean, I see the downloads, so a lot of people have listened, and I, uh, I'm i happy with all of them, you know, uh, so far. And I'm only about to 50 episodes. I, um, I'll do it as long as it, it's cool. But then I think eventually what I, I'm going to do with Off to the Witch, I'll always do it, but there'll be other hosts, and I'll come in every now and then and, and do a special or do one episode a month or something and, and get other people to, you know, to share the, the celebration of all this stuff and, and they'll be weekly hosts or whatever. Like I want to expand it eventually. I think it'll be really neat. For sure. I mean, yeah. What is to um, your process? As you said, you would like to get other hosts and pop in from time to time in the future, but how do you book your guests? Um, what's the process like for you setting up a show? Um, I know mine's live and yours is pre-recorded, but um, you do editing. Um, what else? Yeah, live is live is tough, but I I want to try it one day. <laughs> I definitely need some help with that, and so I admire anyone, including yourself, that that does it live. Uh, my process is I write my monologues. Um, I'm I think about who I want, topics that I want. Like for instance. I want to do an episode on magic and I was talking to Jim Steinmeier who is a magician and he wrote some awesome books about magic. And I, a lot of the time I just don't want it to be someone that wrote a book. I, I really want someone who had lived through something and sometimes they're better known people. Like I get, I, I have curiosity. So like, you know, someone who's in a, a famous punk band that I've been speaking to is going to come on the show and he, uh, I want to hear about all those crazy stories on the road, his interest in movies, he's interested in the paranormal. Uh, for instance, I interviewed Stanton LaVey, who um, was the grandson of Anton LaVey, who wrote the Satanic Bible. And I was just curious as to how it was growing up in that house, the Black House in San Francisco. And Stanton was on for two episodes, told a nice guy, told an amazing story, unfortunately died only a month after I interviewed him uh, and very young too. So 
sad stuff, but I, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to talk to him. And, you know, that's just how, and yourself, it's like, I wanted to know about you because you interview so many people and I know that you had experiences mm-hmm. and I wanted your story. And um, I just love stories. And so my process is I, something that intrigues me, I reach out to people, try to make it really comfortable for them. And yes, it is a studio based podcast. So I'll interview people like maybe for close to two hours and then condense it as an editor. I've been an editor for 25 years, so it's not that hard for me to do. And like I break it down to its strongest points and keep it flowing. And then I feel like it's something that can, that has re, uh, a re-listening aspect to it if you create it in that and bookend it with story. And that's pretty much what Off to the Witch is. Like I'm trying to make these things that maybe you'll revisit again and still have all the great information that an interview has, but I kind of pull out all the stops that might be like, there are times where I'm cutting about 30 ums and ahs out of of interviews and stuff like that. But, you know, and I'm guilty of that too. I'm sure I did it a few times in this show. So, um, but the way I do it and I, I try to keep it like maybe an archives thing that people will always go back to. So we'll see if it continues to take off. Well, I know it will, um, but yeah, it is It is nice definitely when you have a pre-record to be able to edit that stuff out. Um, I know I've said some things over the years that I'm like, oh, that's there forever. Um, that's wonderful. Well, I always offer <laughs> that. You say. I think your interview was great, by the way, but I'm always <laughs> offering that if anything you feel was uncomfortable, like I'm happy to take it out. You know, like I don't fight people for that, and nor do I – judge anybody like your show I don't I don't believe in putting anyone on the hot seat unless it's part of the conversation you know and even Mm -hmm. then I'm just to hear your truth that's all I want like I'm not going to sit and challenge a person too much because you know I have a reoccurring guest um, uh, Paul Richard Price and he has some crazy stories and I just let him tell the tale and I talk to him as if it's his truth I'm not going to judge him because that's the great thing about, I think Art Bell really set the stage for that because he wasn't, he did challenge you every now and then by asking more questions, but he never made anyone feel uncomfortable. He was just kind of like, okay, well, tell me more about this, you know, and that's what you want to hear. You want to hear those stories. Absolutely. And that is really one of the great things about your show. Um, But with so many shows that you've made, where, if you could go anywhere in the world and investigate or research and do a story on, would you like to go? It's going to sound ridiculous. I want to go to Transylvania. I want to go to Transylvania because I've heard some really spooky, profound, and powerful uh, occurrences that happened around Vlad's castle. You know, the real you know, mm-hmm. Dracula, Vlad Dracula, Vlad the Impaler. And there were people that camped out on the edge of mountains and things like that, that experienced some stuff in the middle of the night. And it's just, I grew up watching these movies. They just blew me away. And it's, you know, it's that fine line between fiction and reality that I dance on, on the show. And then in life, I've had my own experiences. So just the fact that this, this historical icon and cinematic icon in Transylvania and Romania and the Carpathian Mountains might actually be a, a hot spot of activity, of paranormal activity. I'd love to go there. I would just love to go go to the 
local places. I know it's not going to be like a 1930s Universal movie, but it's still that area, and I do want to check it out. Absolutely. I mean, Transylvania looks so cool, um, and Dracula's Castle is amazing. So I can definitely see why you want to go there. Um, I would love to go there. It seems like a great place. Yeah, for sure. It's like ancient ruins, you know, to me. I mean, I I would love to see the pyramids in Egypt and, and stuff like that, but um, I've been to the Mayan pyramids. Those were really neat, and just learning about the history there. So there's, yeah, and places in Europe, and I'd love to go to all those places. I probably will, you know, one day. Yeah, but the pyramids are cool. I look at all the steps, though, and that seems terrifying. <laughs> yeah, there's so many stories and ideas behind it, and um, it seems like I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but it seems like there, a lot of the paranormal, conspiratorial ideas, all of that stuff is so in the mainstream where it was on the fringe before, and so many people seem to believe in all of this stuff more so than in my lifetime so far, because it was always like kind of in the background. Yeah, we heard stories about that, but now it's like I said before, it's merging with scientific ideas, quantum perspectives, and also just, I think what happened to us in the last few years, people are not very trusting of the government and they're wondering. So all these conspiratorial things have come to the surface. Uh, it's been interesting to see. I mean, I think it would be nice for everyone to get back to the, the way it was in a way, you know, the way their lives were without all this, or these problems that we're having. But there's another perspective is that we're living through extraordinary times and it might lend to our work, help shape us to be better people in the long run. You know, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And I know we're coming towards the end of the show, but are there any websites, upcoming interviews, events, or productions that you would like to mention? Sure. Yeah. Check out, um, you know, off to the witch. Uh, you can go to the website. I'm still updating it off to the witch.com or go to anywhere where you find your podcast to listen and I have a haunting we will go coming out in October, which is my follow-up to Strange World and the first independent docudrama I've made since Montauk Chronicles, and I'm very, very happy with it so far. Uh, so just keep an eye out for that. And there's a little teaser trailer on my YouTube, and um, I have some network stuff in development, and I'll be saying a lot more about it down the road. But uh, and that's a combination of unscripted stuff like Strange World and uh, um, scripted stuff, movies and a, uh, a drama that I wrote about the making of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was also a comic book strip that was published in Fangoria a few years ago. And finally, it's getting to a situation where it's going to be made into uh, uh, a limited series, kind of like The Offer, you know, the the, the show about the uh, mm -hmm. making of the Godfather. Well, that's amazing. Um, I can't wait to see all of your upcoming productions. And when your other shows are able to be announced, the ones that you were speaking about, you know, you're always welcome back on in the future to promote anything. Oh, thank you so much. I can't wait. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, anytime. Um, so thank you so much, Christopher. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thanks. We'll talk soon. Take care. I right, take care. Wow, fantastic show today, Sophia. Absolutely. Christopher is such a great guest, as always. I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely not be possible without all of you, and I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Yeah, it's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com and GhostHunting.com. And for Christopher Garitano, everyone on Twitter, at Garitano7, at Bigfoot Cinema, 
and on Instagram, hashtag Christopher Giratano, hashtag Montauk Chronicles. Listen to Off to the Witch with Christopher Giratano wherever you get your podcasts and watch episodes of Strange World on Discovery Plus today. We look ahead to a haunting we will go, as uh, Christopher mentioned, in October. Next Saturday, catch Sophia's Archive exclusive with Dr. Travis Taylor discussing the first season launch of History Channel's The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. His thoughts and theories on ghosts and scientific explanation of ghost phenomenon and everything. That's next Saturday, the 22nd, as uh, uh, the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch new season starts next week, too, as well. Uh, like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com Facebook fan page to learn of the guests as we learn of them real time. And everybody, we'll uh, archive show next week, and we'll be back the week following. Hi, this is Debbie from Sion Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.